everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. I think partnerships aren't for everybody. And I think if you can't take a really hard look at yourself and you can't really do that introspection, like it's never going to work. Welcome to Hustle and Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we're two sisters who started multiple businesses together. And yes, it's as messy as you think. We know that starting a business isn't easy. I mean, we've done it four times. And on this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. And we love helping small businesses succeed, whether that is through our venue consulting, speaking, or team training. We love to motivate others to take those big leaps. Or you could just use our misadventures to normalize the crazy that is being an entrepreneur because every entrepreneur makes mistakes. We like to call those unsuccessful attempts around here. And we know that's just part of the process. And today we're talking just the two of us about our interview from last week with Marnie and Willow Blank, who is a sister duo team that owns and operates Blank Studio NYC, a creative studio space, and the Blank Farmhouse, a beautiful 103-year-old farmhouse in the Western Catskills. All right. Well, I thought that was like totally like a masterclass on sister partnerships. It was. And so let's start with like a softball. So one of the things they talked a lot about was how their opposite skills, skill sets really complemented each other. Mm-hmm. So what would you say is our opposite skill sets? Opposite skill sets. I think we should just like one off them. Like, so one of my skill sets, I think, is money management, like finances, like seeing money as like a resource and how to best utilize it to move our business forward. And that just stresses me out and gives me anxiety. Yeah. Hmm. One of my skill sets is probably the ability to make a schedule. (laughs) (laughs) You do make great schedules. Yeah. Like hour by hour, like minute by minute. Yeah, I think it's more of a time blocking. Yeah, more like taskmaster-ish. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think one of my skill sets is, I think I'm actually really good with words. So Mm -hmm. like being able to put something, Mm -hmm. it takes me a minute. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not a really quick processor, but being able to take what we are thinking or trying to say and put it into eloquent terms. Yeah, so I think, this is a really good opposite skill set. I think you're really good at like, conceptualizing something and condensing it down into two or three sentences. Like you can really like you're great at like making like mission statements and whatever. Right. I feel like I, and definitely I have about my skill set is more like lengthy things. Absolutely. Like I always (laughs) have a lot to say and I don't think I do it badly. No, you don't. But I'm not good at like truncating it. Like you're really good at taking it and being able to put two or three like really powerful sentences together. I feel like I cannot do that, which is why you write most of our captions. Yeah. I, I definitely think that's true. Yeah. Like, how does she get from this concept 10 paragraphs? <laughs> like, you can tell who wrote the newsletter, I feel like, every time. Oh, oh, oh. Y- even yeah. if we didn't sign the if name sign the because name. it's You're me. You're talking about our, like, our, our hustle, hustle and, and gather, gather newsletter because yeah. it's like three or four paragraphs. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't add any more to this. Yeah. And then Dana's is like a page and a half. Yes. Yeah. I was yeah. never really good with those. Like, when you went to college and they're like, it must be X number of pages. I'm like, but I could say that in half the amount of pages. Right, right. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that I am good at, like, seeing the bright side. Like, I feel like Mm -hmm. I can be positive even in negative situations and kind of not let the negativity 
paralyze me to not make a move. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that in that same vein, I can see problems before they start. I think that's true. And we talk about just thinking through, like, I think I have a pretty good pulse on, on like client experience. Yeah. And so I feel like I always bring that up. Like, is this serving the client's best? Is client experience good enough? And I think for me, I always, I strive to be the absolute and hundred percent best. Yeah. Where I feel like, you know, not that it's great all the time. Sometimes I think it's, it gets in your own way when you're trying to think through like, what's the best instead of just being like, what's okay enough, yeah. you know, but yeah. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. Like that. Anything else we're missing? I feel like a lot of mm-hmm. my skills don't directly translate to actually what we do. No. Like what our businesses do. I agree. I mean, I think, I think you're really, you're really great at sales. Yeah. I think I can, I have like good days at sales and mm-hmm. there's days I'm terrible at it and you never know what day it's going to be when I get on the phone. So I just shouldn't do it. Yeah. You know? so that I think you're really good at selling ourselves and up. But then I don't ever want to actually do it. Right. Like I don't have like the ability to like compartmentalize and I don't know. I'm not, I'm not good at time blocking. No. Like I will get but stuck in a rabbit hole. You're really, you're really good at selling. You're really good at making the promises, knowing we can deliver on the promises. Mm-hmm. You don't make pro- things we can't Absolutely, deliver. Absolutely. Yeah. I know that. But I, I feel like for me, I am better at like client facing, like sitting face to face with the client, having that conversation, holding their hand, making them feel special and wonderful and everything's going to be fine. Yeah. I feel like I definitely have more of a skill in that. I, de- I think I definitely give off a vibe of like, I'm trying to fit you in. Right. <laughs> you do. Yeah. Takes a very particular client. It does. Take a very particular yeah. client. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, I think that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that's, I think whether you're sisters or your partners, you should be working with someone who has opposite opposite skill sets than you. And I always say that we would literally get nothing done if it were just for one of us. One, we would never have, not that you don't have ideas, but you would never have the like, okay, this is going to work and going to happen. Let's go ahead and do this because you'd be just risk assessing the whole time. Mm -hmm. So we would never actually take the steps. Right. And then we would literally never, ever get anything done and be like, here's a great idea. And it would end there. Mm -hmm. That would be like, well, what's the next step? Because right. I do, I feel like uh, like we're working on our e-course, which is coming out in a couple of months. And even though I thought it was like a great idea and I could, could, I could see the, the product, like, oh, it would kind of look something like this, like getting started. It was just, mm-hmm. that was where it stopped for me. Right. Like, how do we take that first step? Mm-hmm. Like, how should this be scaffolded? What's, what should this be like sketched out as? And then I can fill in the blanks, you know, but it was really hard for me to visualize from that point on like what it should look like. Right. I just felt like we should do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's hard to think about not being a partnership because it's all you know. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with that. I think that there's a lot that I can't imagine doing without somebody mm-hmm. beside me. I don't know if I would ever be able to walk through this job and not have hired like a CFO. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I do agree with that. Yeah. Like I would have to have someone else that's like doing some stuff for me Yeah. in general. Because at the core of who I am, like, I am, like, a low-level lazy person. Like, I know I don't, seem I don't like think a, that's true at I all. I don't think I'm, well, maybe maybe my, my mental health makes me lazy. But, like, mm-hmm. sometimes I get so overwhelmed and so burnt out that I cannot bring myself to, like, do anything. Yeah. And I can procrastinate and put it off and put it off. And it um, makes me feel lazy. My whole life I was, called, I was told I was lazy. Maybe that's just my childhood coming out. But Yeah. Which brings up a good point. Yes. Like, when they were talking about in their partnership how they have to work hard to not go back to their childhood self. Yeah. 
It's so hard. It's so hard. Because you, and the difference is you have so much history and you have so many stories and you have so much emotions that can just be brought back in a snap of a finger, Mm -hmm. you know? I always felt like I, and I've said this before, like I was forgotten a lot as a kid and like I I was always fearful that I would, you know, that just be kind of lost in the shuffle, like just lost in like the abyss, right? And there was a, and it wasn't, I didn't, I didn't have like a terrible childhood. I was genuinely a happy kid and I had things, but it wasn't like easy. I mean, I remember there was with mom being sick, there was a lot of really hard things and it just wasn't, there was no value to that. I feel like no one ever cared that like it was hard for me, you Mm -hmm. know? And so sometimes like when you talk about like the history and like how you had to be the mom and do all this and I'm not discounting that's what had happened. It's those same emotions. Like, well, it's not like it was a walk in the park over on my side of it, you know, Mm -hmm. but that's not the point of what you're trying to make at all yeah. that you're not discounting yeah. it. I think that's where, where your, my childhood self comes in. It's like, I have a hard time hearing somebody yeah, and, and hearing them for what they're saying and not hearing, I feel this, therefore you can't feel this. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How you can both feel it. Right. Yeah. Like you can both be feeling the same thing yeah. and one is not more than the other. Cause I've always had to, I always felt like I had to feel more. I had to react more, you yeah. know? And like, I always was told like, oh, you're so moody and you would just blow up. But I was like, that's because like it was the only way someone would actually yeah. notice that I had an emotion is by being irrational yeah, about something stupid. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think for me, like I, I was very protective of Dana and Jeremy growing up, like very protective. Like they get in trouble. It would make me so upset unless it was something related to me like directed towards me. Even then I had like some twinge of guilt about it. Sure. So I think that I tend to speak for Dana, obviously, as Mm -hmm. you've mentioned in the podcast a lot, like in a protective nature, Mm -hmm. like someone will say something and I'll be like, well, don't bring that up to Dana or don't ask Dana or don't whatever. And not like Dana can't handle it, but like, I understand Dana's tendency. Dana has a hard time saying no sometimes to things or like she has this, I can do it all kind of not complex, but Mm -hmm. MO, you know, that I'm like, don't ask her. One, because it's going to be bad for Dana, but two, it's going to blow back on me as well or like make the environment tense. Like, just don't ask her. That's why I think I tend to be that protective sister a lot and like speak for you Mm -hmm. when maybe I shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Like, make, let you make your own decision. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. But I did like that. I thought that was really good advice and it makes me really think about. And then, about it. and then also I'm like the queen of the zingers. So there's so many times where I'm like, oh, I know it's why, it's why am, your nickname is the asshole I, because you, you act but, like an asshole, but I pull it back so many times. And there's just times where it's just too good. Like it has to be said, like it's, yes. it can't not be shared. Right. But I hold back so much. It's good. Yeah. You, it's always, an, it's not, it's not in like a, oh, we're, we're joking around time. It's always in some like super heavy moment. And I'm like, because just, every every really funny thing has some kernel of truth. In yeah, it. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a problem with my husband too. Like he doesn't like it in those moments too. And he's yes. like, seriously, why? Why right now? And I'm mm-hmm. like, I can't that, that was too good. It was literally too good. I have filtered through it all and it that one had to be said. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. I think this is a big topic for us to talk about is when they she talked about when they started. First off, she said they both took time to think about it. And I was like, oh, I don't think I had that option. You to didn't think have about the it. option. But when they came in, they came in to this business agreement like they weren't sisters where they had actual agreements. They decided they were going to behave like professionals around each other. They weren't going to bicker and fight and had this air of, yeah. of professionalism. 
And that is not our story. It's not our story at all. Like there was no agreements that were made and we still don't always act necessarily professionally. I think we've gotten better since the pandemic. I think at some point in the pandemic, me and you like had a conversation about how we need to stop fighting in front of the the employees. So we had like separate time to what I call arm wrestle it out. Oh yeah. We would arm wrestle out and (laughs) And then then have the meeting, have the meeting because it was, it was like, I'm sure it was exhausting to hear us talk all the time. I know, probably was. And there, it wasn't like you could pick a side. No. Any side you picked was going to be wrong. It's true. On some level. There yeah. was really no winning. There was no winning yeah, for them. It was, it was like mom and dad losing. fighting. Yeah. And I feel like one, and I said this in the podcast, is they came, well, they came into that their business with 10 plus years of experience in other industries. Mm-hmm. You know, so they had like all this work experience. I think when we first started talking about CND, I don't even know if you were even out of college yet. You weren't. Right. So like we had no work experience, Mm -hmm. no life experience. And oftentimes when I like look back on it and I want to speak badly of it, I'm like, we were like 22 and 25. Right. And then I meet other 22 and 25 year olds and I'm like, what was my expectation? Right. Like it was clearly unrealistic. Yeah. Even like when we talk about like building the Bradford, we were still relatively young and new in our careers. Yes, yes, yes. But that was, I don't know why we didn't. Yeah. Um, because it got early on, it got so convoluted because it was like, you own this and I own like you own this property and I yeah. own that property. And then you're going to live on this property. And you're going to pay part of this rent for this property. Yeah. And then we're all going to pay rent to this property. Like it was just a mess. I don't know at, at what point why we didn't just say, can we pause? Can we, can we write this down? Number one, cause yeah. I can't remember who's paying who for what and this, right. you know? And and talk about the future. And I think for us, the biggest issue is when we were in the middle of the Bradford, we couldn't see the future at all. Not that we were like we couldn't see like where we're going to be now. I, like we literally could not think about the next day no. other than the day that what we were in. And so the idea of ever possibly moving off property was like. I don't know. It was not a thought, right? <laughs> like and, we can't pay for our food now. How are we going to buy another house? <laughs> right, right. So it just and that's and it was really short sighted because yeah. I think it what it did is it caused a lot of really really hard really really hard conversations and a lot of really hard like hurt feelings and misintention yeah. and you know all that happened all because we didn't take the time to sit down and say this is what we're agreeing to as a group. Yeah, because it wasn't just me and you going into business. It was me and you and Sam and Mikhail. All all of that was wrapped up into it. I know, it. which I think they don't have that. It seems like they don't have that same. Yeah, but like it was, very, it was very much like, because when I'm talking about, okay, we are going to pay, we're going to pay rent to this, mm-hmm. whatever. Like that's not just my finances. You know, that's not, it's, it's combined finances, right? So I don't know. It was, I, I think it's probably, it's probably one of our biggest like partnership sister mistakes and not that it like, derailed us terribly but it's it definitely created a lot of grief when there shouldn't have been any grief yeah I mean I think C&D like that was like innocent enough nobody was taking any money so there wasn't really anything to talk about uh and definitely going into the Bradford we should have but I I think that it was just like one step in front of the other and it Mm -hmm. was like dealing with whatever shoe just fell right yeah so I and I think now when I think back about like you know like mental health and uh you know like taking that time for yourself and uh like what do you need like that wasn't even like an option then right Mm -hmm. like it would have never gotten built like literally would have never so like even taking the time to go see a therapist in the middle of it felt Mm -hmm. like time taken away from things that we should have been doing not that it was very constructive things to do because it definitely was 
But I remember even thinking then, like, how are we going to fit this in? Right. But yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree that we should have had an agreement and it should have all been written out and uh, number should have been assigned and whatnot. Well, I mean, and just like, and just basic good business. I think that for us, there was a point when everything got refinanced, right? Cause we, cause we had yeah. to, and we created a real estate LLC and per our lawyer, just for like liability stuff. And and to me, like when I think back at like where our biggest misstep was, that was at that point, because I can excuse the beginning. Mm-hmm. I can excuse that. Yeah. Right. But I can't excuse that when you're in the middle of it. And, and at this point, we've already had conflict. Mm-hmm. We've already had tons of conflict about everything you can imagine. Right. We've had conflict about where the trash can can go. We've had conflict about how like how how often the kids can ride their dirt bikes on the yeah. property. Like there has been <laughs> conflict over stupid shit this entire time. And at that point was when we should have said, okay, we're, we're creating this new LLC, right? This mm-hmm. real estate LLC. This is what it should encompass. And truly it should have encompassed both properties yeah. at that point. And it it, that's what it should have done. Mm-hmm. And it should have just bought it and it should have just called it even and been done with it. And and then we had an agreement how that was all going to go. And and that's, that is where you, I feel like I kick myself a lot. Yeah. And like, like, like I said, I can excuse the beginning because you didn't know what it was going into, but I knew very well we were getting into when we reorged mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. Like we reorganized it and all that stuff. But so. I think too, like at that point, and I think this spring comes back to like one of their good points is there was so much that had like festered. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Oh, there yeah. was so much under the surface that it felt like to bring up anything would be the end of everything. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like a fake it till you make it, like kind of going on status quo. Everything's right. fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And then, you know, things would like pop up, right. but they would have less emotional weight, mm-hmm. you know, later on down the road. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think there is like that point of not letting things fester, which I don't think we really let things fester now. Like, I don't think that no. there's a lot of, I mean, on my end, there's not. You can tell when something's under the surface. No. Dana has a, probably a, a greater ability to squash things. I don't know. but I don't, I don't let things fester because if it is too much, I will say something. Yeah. I do let things sit for a while because a lot of times... I would say probably 50% of the time how I'm feeling in that moment has nothing to do with anything but myself. Yeah. And I can normally get myself to the other side of it. And if I can't get myself to the other side of it is when I'm like, okay, this is bigger than me. Like, this is not just a me issue. Like, right. This is something, this is a, a a core issue that I feel like I need to address or whatever. So I don't think I let things fester, but yeah, no, I totally agree. I think, I do think that. I think that there was a point when we were not honest with ourselves sure. and we we're not honest with like, with with everything. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of like, where we got through the hard time and you're like, okay, you got through it. It's fine. Let's just move on. Let's, let's forgive and forget. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. But you're like, oh, apparently didn't deal with that thing. Didn't right. But if thing. you don't deal with it, you yeah. can't really forgive and forget it. And I yeah. think that's what it was is we never really dealt with the true hurt that happened yeah. and, and like the true, like, and because I think what it did is it questioned, it questioned a lot of like our intentions with each other. Yeah. And so when when something comes up, you go back to that place and that never healed. Like the right. intention of how, like, of how I feel about you or, mm-hmm. or whatever, it never really healed. And so when it, when that wound opened back up, it was like, and it was shocking because we hadn't dealt with that feeling of not trusting the other person's intentions yeah. in such a long time. I think it was worse. Like, I think it was a worse feeling. It was a worse, like, it was much bigger than it would have been if we had just dealt with it at that time. It felt like you were be- like more of a betrayal in a lot of ways because not not that you betrayed me necessarily. It was that 
our relationship was betrayed. Like, yeah. oh, this was all built on like sand. Oh, yeah. I you know what that. I mean? Yeah, I could see that. And like, oh, all this hard work and all this like progress, it was bullshit. Yeah. It was nothing. Yeah. It was just fake. Even though I know that's not the truth, that's how it felt in the moment. In the, mo- in the moment. But then I think I, I feel like the outcome and like how when those things come up and how they get dealt with and the like the expediency of how they get dealt with, mm-hmm. I think is a tribute to what the relationship really is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, okay, those things are going to pop up. But I definitely think that. But I, I think there's that in a lot of relationships. Oh, yeah. Probably totally. most every relationship. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about money and you're talking about livelihoods and you're talking about business, like it can't be there. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't allow you to move forward in like in an authentic and productive way. Mm-hmm. So I think that it actually like puts a magnifying glass on mm-hmm. it. Whereas normally in a relationship, you could, you know, see that person casually 10 times a year right. and not ever have to deal with that shit. Right. Right. Just mm-hmm. you're going to see him for the two hours mm-hmm. and that's it. Right. You know, but it's just, not that way when you are sitting next to somebody and building something and trying to make even future decisions with somebody that I think it has to be dealt with. It's definitely like, I think partnerships aren't for everybody. And I think if you can't take a really hard look at yourself and you can't really do that introspection, like it's never going to work. Oh yeah. But like, I I think back to some of our fails here recently. And, you know, when I think about different ventures, that haven't worked. And a lot of the reasons why it hasn't worked is because we had to bring in basically a third partner mm-hmm. and how much that failed miserably. Yeah. Like it's like we're like a hive mind here and we can't bring in a, an, another person. Like, and it's not, I don't think it's three is a crowd necessarily. I just think that it's, it's so hard to, to go into business with somebody else after we've done it, the two of us for so long, you know? I think it is more or less on a much, much micro scale, if I really think about it for the purpose of this podcast, that it is just like history repeating itself. Mm-hmm. You know, like we clearly didn't learn the lesson. We yeah. thought it only applied to us. We're like, oh, wait, no, actually that applies to right. other things too. Right. Even things that you're in financial control over, but maybe mm-hmm. having like a creative partner or someone that you're right. bringing in, uh, it applies. So I think it's just a lesson that, you know, we hadn't fully learned and now we have. Lesson learned. <laughs> <laughs> no, I also loved how she, when they were talking about, they love seeing what they both said this, what oh, she yeah. does without me. I know. Yeah. But what is that? I think you do a lot without me. Really? As it pertains to your house. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I felt really like inspired by that. I like, too. I felt really intrigued about and I loved how they had like side hustles mm-hmm. that like and I think it'd be neat to think about a branch of that like it'd be really cool to kind of this is my thing that I'm doing and it, it feeds me and it excites me and I love it yeah I don't know what that is necessarily but I like got me thinking like what like what would that be yeah. like I really love that because I do think you you would I would everybody who like both of us if we had those things would evolve so much more yeah and be so much more I, oh yeah and not that we're doing it separately, but definitely doing it together. I've thought that about teaching this year, even mm-hmm. in the middle of it and like like fitting it into the schedule and trying to do the best job that I can do. I was talking to somebody. I was like, this is really stretching. Like it's really, really stretching me in a different way mm-hmm. that I really enjoy. Like I think it's good for me. Not that it's easy for me, but mm-hmm. it's good for me. Like it's mm-hmm. definitely a stretch and out yeah. of my norm. And I've really enjoyed that. 
But I've thought about, and I've actually looked into it because my BFF, Krista, she is a yoga instructor and she's found an online source, a great online source to get her 300 hours, which is the next step after the 100 hours. But there's also a 100 hour online course. Mm. And so I've really thought about like- Becoming a yoga instructor? Not for the purpose of instructing it to anybody, but for just for the purpose of getting that 100 hours, Mm. which would certify me as an instructor, but I- I could definitely see myself operating somewhere like in the wellness retreat space. So like, why wouldn't you instruct people? When would I do that? I mean, not like, <laughs> I mean, not like every, like you wouldn't instruct multiple classes, but I mean, it sure, could be like, a, like a one-off, sure. like, oh, right. Like if I was like in a retreat setting oh. and if it were like a. You made it sound like you would never instruct people. No, 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 no. Okay. No, not never. I would not be a, like, I wouldn't define myself as yoga instructor because I wouldn't have the bandwidth necessarily to right. instruct class. Once a week, once a week, twice a week, whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe I would. I don't Maybe. know. I don't know. If given that I'm not there. Don't put the limit on that. I'm not going to put the limit on it. But I, I thought about, about doing that. And then, mm. and I do look at my schedule like really hard, like, okay, when do I have the space to do that? Mm-hmm. Right. Like kind of clearing it up or whatnot. But I think it's important to prioritize some of those things, mm-hmm. those things that like stretch and grow you. And it may not be this semester, obviously we're doing a lot this semester, Yeah, but maybe in the fall or something, or right. maybe next winter. Right. Yeah. I don't know what it would be. I don't know. I, I think I, I think I have to really like marinate on it to figure out what I like really love. Dana and- has an amazing ability to uh, make functional spaces. Mm. Like you're really great at like spatial awareness and organization and like how I can't measure to save my life, but I'm not that. saying the practical part <laughs> of it, the more like conceptual part of it. Like you do have a really great way of doing that like Mm -hmm. I could definitely see and I and they were talking about like building something or whatnot like I could totally see this is sticking it out there okay building something and designing things Mm -hmm. together I also love like the the color part of it Mm -hmm. like the design and like this is meant to be separate not together whatever (laughs) but I thought that sounded like a blast And somewhere out of this togetherness, we're so codependent that my separate thing is going to include you. (laughs) Way to go. Do you want to take a yoga class with me? No. I will instruct you. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Yes. I thought that was great. And I I think my favorite like businessy, like like personal business takeaway, as she says, is it is such a gift to have a space. Like I I loved that because I, I do feel that. And I feel like there's a lot of things that are so helpful that you can alleviate on whether that is like a community event, whether that is, you know, a grieving family. And I know that like we've done all those things. Yeah. Like just, and it's not, not for money, just like, Hey, like use this. We want to be of service to you. But then at the same time, you think about it as a business, as from a business standpoint is. I think we talked about this on our last podcast is like finding that pocket of need. Mm-hmm. And and I do feel like space to hold events and to hold gatherings, right, of people in whatever, for whatever reason, whether it is for a corporate function, whether it is for a birthday party, whether it is for celebrating someone's marriage, like there is such a gift to be able to have a warm, welcoming space. Yeah. Well, air conditioned. Yeah. But I mean, like, I just, I think that I, and I've said this before, I've always struggled with the, with the frivolity of weddings Mm -hmm. and events in general. Like it's sometimes when you take a step back and you're like, there's like literally people dying and starving and you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on a wedding. And 
And there's a, to me, there's like a hard, it's hard for me to really like see the value and like I'm actually impacting anybody's mm-hmm. life. And I'm not here to say like open a wedding venue because it's what the world needs, you know, but yeah. there is something impactful about being able to create a space where people can gather. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I pat myself on the back. I think it's more of like, no matter what, whatever you're in, whatever, whatever market you're in, yeah. whether it's in the events industry or whether it's in the creative industry or whether it's just in corporate, I think that there's, when you can sometimes take a look at what you're doing and is there something that you can do within that realm and fill mm-hmm. that pocket, you know, yeah. is meaningful. And I, I just, what made me think about, about that when she said that. Yeah. Two thoughts on your thoughts is the older I get, because I'm not aging backwards, the older I get, the more relevance I see in gathering. Like Mm -hmm. I see more of the value and Mm -hmm. more of the reason. I see more of the reason to like celebrate those milestones Mm -hmm. or mourn those milestones, Mm -hmm. creating those community events and think like reasons for gathering. Because I I feel like it seemed very frivolous 10 years ago to me. Right. Like when I just was thinking about, wow, I could buy a car or you could have this event and I don't see it that way no, anymore right I see it very much as like we are creating an intentional environment and mm-hmm. space that people who may not have seen each other for years are right. gathering and may never see each other again right. like this may be it yes right and they're gathering and having making these memories and these moments together and I don't consider it frivolous right. any longer but I did have a hard time with it for a while but also I feel like sometimes I take it for granted, like, especially when I'm in the mix of it. And like when we were in the middle of like 2021, just like the churn and burn wedding, like in, out, in, out, like this client needs this or that client needs this or like what problem are you working through next? I tended to lose the magic of the Mm -hmm. Bradford, but then all I had ever had to do was walk back over there and you're like, oh my God, this is like Mm -hmm. such a magical space. Mm -hmm. And when she was like, talking about her space and she's like, and she's like, it's a vibe and I love it. It's a beautiful space and you can feel that positive energy. Yeah. I walk over the Bradford and that's exactly what right. I feel. It's like the positive energy and like all of the love and that not just us, but that people have yeah. been married there and our people who work for us, yeah. like how much love and care they have for mm-hmm. the Bradford. I just think it's palpable. Like you can feel it. But don't it. you feel that about, it's so weird to me, like how you can walk into a space and you could feel like, how someone has cared for mm-hmm. it and it, it feels like a living breathing thing and and she you know, is right she is but like <laughs> when she was talking about her space and she was saying it's so warm it's so welcoming mm-hmm. and it, it's a vibe and all that stuff I was like it's because of you too yeah that's why yeah it's not just because you painted it well and it's not because you put a nice chair somewhere it's because of who the energy and the love that you put that you've literally put into the bricks and the and the drywall and all that. And mm-hmm. I and I know that sounds so hokey. You know I'm not a hokey person. <laughs> but like that's how I feel about it. And I do think that. And yeah. I, I don't know if it's like I don't know if it's like some kind of cosmic karma, whatever. But it's I feel energy. Like whatever. It's the energy you're but feeling. I do feel that about our people. And it's why it's mm-hmm. so important when our hires for the Bradford are so right. Yeah. Is that because they pour that into it constantly and consistently. Yeah. And I and I think you feel it when you walk in the yeah. space. Like because I mean, because you can feel their outrage when someone has harmed the space oh, in some yeah. way. Like, can you believe that somebody yeah. whacked this bush? Or can you believe that like, yes. they are so upset about yes, it? Yes, they are. Like, you're like, okay, just call the contractor. Yeah. It's going to be fine. Like, right. we can fix it. We'll charge the client. It's not a big deal. But right. they are like so indignant right. about it. Yeah, and I love that. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. I, I, I think it's neat seeing someone like love what they do so much mm-hmm. and yeah. like, kind of walk into that passion and. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely makes me think like, Ooh, what's our next thing? I felt like they were so much like nicer than we are in general though. 
Like the way they talk about like I'm and maybe and we are nice to each other on other people's podcasts. I will say that like we're very cordial and whatnot. Well, not that mm-hmm. we're not nice in person, yeah. but like we are totally like. There's a certain level of like uh, sass and grit that comes with us. That's just yes. part of our brand. It's true. That's I just who that's we true. are. Yeah. Like we literally grew up that way. You should ask any of our hus- husbands. Like going to a family gathering, it mm-hmm. was like a roast every time. It was, and we are a toned down version of that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. All right. Yeah. But I love that. It was so good. And we are so excited. We've talked about it in this. I think we talked about it in this podcast that we are um, starting a new series called Perfecting the Partnership where we interview other partners and uh, they kind of come to us with a problem and we weigh in as, you know, arbiters and say who we think is right and who we think is wrong. Wonderful. Agree. Yeah. I doubt we ever will agree. Um, which is the beauty of it. And we are going to, we all partnership. So whether they are sisters or not. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So if you're a partner out there and you'd like to be on our show. Yes. Reach out. Reach out to Sarah. To Sarah. Yes. Yes. Thanks everyone for gathering us today to talk about the hustle. For our episode with Marnie and Willa, we are drinking a Manhattan, Willa's favorite, and we hope you get a chance to make it this week. And cheers to sister partnerships. To learn more about and connect with Marnie and Willa, you can find them and their business on Instagram at Blank Farmhouse and at Blank Studio NYC. You can also learn more by visiting BlankStudioNYC.com and TheBlankFarmhouse.com. And to learn more about our hustles, visit us on the gram at CND Events, at the Bradford and Z, and at Hustle and Gather. And if you're interested in learning more about our speaking, training, or venue consulting, head to our website at hustlinggather.com. And if you love this show, we would be more than honored if you left us a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of Earfluence. I'm Dana. And I'm Courtney. And we'll talk to you next time on Hustle and Gather.